This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Alan Parker said, sometimes... With the British film industry, it's hard to know if we're waving or drowning. Let's find out. Welcome to another podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today I've got with me Keith English. Hello, Keith. Hi, Stuart. I believe you're in deepest uh, New Forest. Uh, yes, I am, and it's a lovely day. Um, yeah, the birds are tweeting and the trees are growing. Cool, cool. Uh, so can you, we're, we're here. We're here to talk about the more you ignore me. Uh, before we go into details about it, uh, do you want to give the uh, give the listener a brief synopsis to what that's about? Well, the more you ignore me is based on a book by Joe Brand, who also wrote the screenplay, and it concerns. Um, it's a story about a family in the 1980s trying to deal with. Um, the mother of the family having a strange form of schizophrenia and um, it's based upon actual events that um, Joe came across while she was a, a mental health nurse um, about that time and um, and it's really a story of love it's a story of of um, a family struggling to to cope with uh, these unruling and un and strange things that go on because of because somebody sees the world in a different way than you do, hmm. which is what schizophrenia is. Now, on 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 um, on IMDb, it, it classes it as a comedy. Now, there are there are light moments in it, but it's it's got more depth, hasn't it, than just simply being a comedy? Yeah, it's it's a weird one because the thing is, you know, it's it's a cross genre piece. I mean, but I would call it more of a drama than a comedy. However. When you say it's a drama about mental health, people immediately think, oh, God, it's going to be depressing and it's going to really be a downer. But actually, it's a it's a real up experience. It's it's life affirming, really. Yeah, no, it's uh, a really heartfelt story. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, it was difficult for us to actually draw the you know, when you tick the box in all these things like mm. Debbie, the producer had to do it was which way do we go? And then. The strange thing is, because of Joe Brand's name, people are expecting it to be a comedy. So we we had, to, you know, sort of aired towards that as mm. being a description. Yeah, um, so I suppose, I mean, given Ricky Tomlinson's in it, it's kind of like, it's the comedy that's sort of the royal family comedy, isn't it? It's the, it's yeah, and it's also like, you know, um, uh, Mike Lee, Ken Loach, mm. I mean, they've all got areas of comedy within them, but mm. they're actually about quite serious things. Mm. And, and, uh, and this is definitely in in that vein 
Um, you know, it's it, it's definitely a British movie about how strange the British are looking at a certain time scale, which was the 1980s, and how we sort of de dealt with mental health people in the 1980s, and then taking from that the human experience of the of of the people that really had to deal with it uh, at home in a tiny house in the middle of nowhere, middle of Lancashire. Um, so yeah, it's, it's got some really, really funny moments and it's, but it's got a lot, a lot of pathos and a lot of heartwarming moments as well. No, 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 it was, it was, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad it went in the direction it went in. It made me, it made me feel glad to be alive at the end of it. Good, good. I'm glad. Well, look, let's, let's start maybe at the beginning of the story for you. At what, at what stage did you get involved as a director? Had, had Joe Brand already adapted the book as a screenplay or was, was that just the the start of the process where you were sort of brought in yeah. to the director of something that will be adapted. Yeah, Joe started on the project about nine years ago, she says, and I came on board about four years ago. Mm -hmm. um, basically, it was a book, obviously, that she had mm -hmm. written, and she, she adapted it um, uh, as a uh, film for the BBC at the start, um, uh, hopefully tying in with... Um, with comic relief, but but that fell through for various reasons, which I'm not aware of really, mm -hmm. or I don't understand. But but um, and the, the way I started was actually funny enough. I got I was Facebooked by Debbie, the producer, who I knew from a project quite some time before, mm -hmm. who suddenly Facebooked me and said, "Do you want to direct a movie?" And oh. uh, I <laughs> and I'm I'm immediately said, you know, f off. No way. And then immediately said, yes, of course I do. Of course I do. Yes, please, please, please. <laughs> and um, and then when I heard it was Joe Brand, you know, I thought, well, this could be interesting. And and reading the first script, it was it, I read the script and the book. Um, I, I, I fell in love with the project and I could see where the film was going and why actually um, talking with Joe and talking with Debbie, we could see why it had failed before to to because it's it, it's such an all-encompassing story mm. and as, and and actually the story that we've made goes so quickly um it's not one of those you know uh, sit back and you'll be watching somebody's face for half an hour type movies it, it, it there's a lot happening and you're you're being driven along by quite a strong narrative although the narrative is unusual um uh, that's what we honed it into over about a uh, period of about two years, three years, and then finally raised the capital to do it. Yeah. So what were, what were those? I mean, because you're right, there, there is there is a there are a number of points of view to try and keep a handle on. In fact, tell yeah. the story. I mean, obviously Alice, the daughter, is the central character to all of this, or or is Gina, the mother, the central character? I guess there's there's a battle there, isn't there, in terms of a narrative? And I'm guessing the book maybe uh, yeah. sort of gives a lot more to both of them so what what were the storytelling challenges then as you were as you were taking this novel to be a screenplay that could be effective well the the biggest challenge was that you um you basically yeah you've got two stories and they sort of interweave in fact you do have three stories because you know i would argue that the father played by mark addy his story is very strong course, and he yeah. is he's like the pole which these other two stories weave around and you start off thinking it's going to be the story of the mother which it is to an extent at the beginning of the film and then as Alice grows up it becomes her story and we we follow her story and there was a 
there was a little bit more to her story in the book. In fact, there's a lot more to her story in the book, which unfortunately we could, we shot some of it, but we couldn't fit it in, if you know mm. what I mean. Yeah. Um, and then and then it comes back to being a story of the mother and they and how we feel and how 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 we constructed it in the end. And I think it sort of works is that you've got one story mother you've got then then you see the 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 story of of alice come in and then at the end the two stories combine and it's at the moment there's a there's a critical moment at that point uh which i think is you know what people term as the denouement but i don't think it is quite the denouement but um uh that that then gives you the, the 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 warmth and emotion because you understand that these two people now um, sort of understand their places with each other. So you're following two different parts of a relationship. And um, in a strange way, it's a bit like a, a rom-com, you know, because a rom-com, you've got to like both people. So it's not just one person that you're liking. If you don't, if you don't get, uh, get into the other character, then the romance never happens for you. You know, um, mm. you, be, uh, if you're female, you, you, you want to also like the male because you, you, you should be attracted to the male in a rom-com. And likewise, if you're a male, you should be attracted to the female in a, in a, in a rom-com. So if, if one of those characters isn't, isn't fulfilling, then, then you won't get the, the, um, the kick out of watching it. And I think it's the same with this film. I mean, hopefully you, 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 you get fulfilled by both these stories and, 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 and enjoy the, the, the final act. Yeah, no, because it's, it's got that element of you've, you've, you've got the, um, the universal truth, which is of being a teenager growing up and all the usual growing pains of that. Add into that, your mother's got a particular form of mental illness. Yeah. And then you've got the mother's point of view, which is the roller coaster ride, which is a mental illness as well. Um, which, which, isn't, which isn't always about being, it's almost like her character isn't, isn't the mother, yet we, we know she is, as it were. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to give too much away. But I would say, you know, there's a distinct um, role reversal in the film mm. between the mother and the daughter. And I yeah. hope you got that, which sure. is um, uh, it, it's it's a it's a point at which you realize that um, someone isn't going to change. They mm. will always be the same. And, and rather that, than what we wanted to do and what Joe wanted to do is um, uh, rather than say that that's a, a negative thing, is that actually with the right situations and the right things that, you know, the, 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 uh, the right story, it can be quite a positive thing mm. uh, if you come to terms with that fact. And um, and. And I think that um, Alice, that's that's her journey is to come mm. to terms, not only with her, her her general life, but all of the things that happen in her life. We try to reflect with the relationship of her mother because, you know, they're important to a girl at that time. Mm. And if your if your mother is not there for any reason, in this case, it's mental health problems, um, you know, it will it, it, you you will feel empty at certain points in your life. And and. But if you embrace the fact that your mother is not that person or your, your, your father is the person that is the surrogate mother, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then, then you'll get on with it and you'll understand it and then you can relate to them on a certain level. Mm. Now, my, uh, I watched the film, my wife, she's, she's worked in, in mental health and she, she certainly recognised certainly those moments when um, the mother 
is um, is, is sort of doped up, as to thought of an expression, where the where the drugs are controlling how the how the mental illness works. Um, now that performance is uh, you, you cast uh, Sheridan Smith, uh, obviously a, a very celebrated actress in 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 British film and TV. Um, how how did you how did get casting her come about? Was that was that the one you wanted, or was that was that a process of uh, of, of who who you could get? Um, it's it's strange because casting process is a sort of alchemy. I'm sure most people say you you is uh, the way it happened is we made a short list of all the people that we wanted, and it was mm. a very short list. And near the top of each one of those uh, those um, of that cast were the people that finally um, could agree to say yes. Mm. I mean. Um, there were other people in in those roles at a certain time during the process of getting the money and and um, but that was because a lot of quite near the quite Sheridan taking her point quite near the start of the process we all thought Sheridan Smith would be fantastic in this role because of uh, she has the comedy and she has the pathos and she gets into the cam, cam, uh, character very well. Hmm. Um, Unfortunately, at that time, she was on a very long run with Funny Girl, and we couldn't. We thought we were going to go earlier than we were going to go. Um, then we had another actress who is a fantastic actress on board, and then just at the very last uh, moment, that other actress had to leave the project because she had other things um, that she committed to, and we were sort of bereft of our lead. And strangely enough, and this is uh, at that very moment, Sheridan came off. Funny girl. Wow. And so we represented it to her and she jumped at it. And it's like it's the same with Mark, really. Mark Addy, who plays mm. the father. He he was one of my first choices because I needed an actor who who and I like his work very much and, and he who could has a bit of comedy in him, but also has a has a sponge ability, a way to re- react and not be the main stain. I mean, the people in this film, the men in this film are very nice men. Mm. They're not aggressive. They're not. They're, they're, they're men like men should be. And I think we all are generally yeah. like this. But, uh, but when it's not flashy, uh, when it's not a flashy role, you need somebody who can actually be the, the rock, uh, you know, about which this, this um, story can, can revolve without, you know, sort of becoming the hero. We didn't want him to become the hero. We wanted him to be just this this anchor and he was and he he, yeah jumped at it as well so so in the end we we actually got everybody that near enough our our first choices in the end but that's partly to do with joe's fantastic writing and Mm. and partly to do with me uh, being tenacious but but mainly it's you know the, the the script was a really good script i mean i mean and sharon's performance is she's given herself to it hasn't she very physically in... She has, yeah, and and, and it and it did take a lot out of her because halfway through uh, the shooting, her father passed away. Oh wow! So we had to rewrite quickly to allow her time to to go up and mourn and and be at his funeral and things like that. But she she embraced the part, and she we we um, got um, Professor um, um, Lewis Appleby um, on board, who was who was the mental health czar who knew Joe, um, he came on board to, to talk uh, through with Sheridan and myself to work out precisely uh, 
you know where to go with this and how to, you know how the reactions of a of somebody with this this mental health issue uh would be in certain situations um and we learned a lot through that and and she and i think the thing with her is that she um really does for that moment inhabit the world of that person mm. and um and no matter how outrageous i mean it's some some really outrageous and i say almost carry on things that happen in this film mm. uh some of them which to some people would feel like jumping the shark but actually they're real things they actually happened and and they they they've been put in the book and in the script because they actually happened and uh, you know the fa famous one is in the trailer you see her sitting on the roof mm. uh, and and in the film she's got a guinea pig you know and and uh, and all of that stuff actually happened because it was something that Joe wanted to it must know, be an interesting it must be an interesting challenge from a director point of view to get the performance when in fact what the person's doing is sort of beyond the, the norms of sort of cognitive self you yeah. know it's you, you you know the usual i say something you react and mm. usually if i say it in a certain way i can kind of guess how you're going to react whereas obviously if you're dealing with a character with with a mental illness like uh, like gina has then, then then the performance you want is often the opposite of what of what yeah about, about being in the moment is about isn't it yeah, but there's, there's, we worked on a, a, it sounds really awful, but, but being a low budget feature, we were, we were shooting incredibly quickly, you know, mm. um, I mean, uh, it was a five week shoot and we lost Sheridan for uh, 10 days or, or over that, um, mm. amount of time from her actual, uh, the part that she was playing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the, our system, and this is, uh, Sheridan would uh, agree to this was, would be to, first of all do it um as it felt right according to the script okay. um and then we would think about it and then we would take a couple more takes uh each time um and and because uh lewis appleby uh, described the thought processes of somebody in this in with this uh sort of illness as as like a, a knight's move in chess whereas we go um, you know, it, like a bishop does or or queen does, we go in straight lines or, uh, you know, a castle or whatever. We go in straight lines in our thought processes, i.e. A, B, C, D. A knight will move to, say, B, and then suddenly go off a skew and then <laughs> suddenly go on to another thing to get to E, you know, for instance. And and that's what we've... And, it's a, and, and from the outside of thinking... You, you think, well, that's a strange reaction to that situation. But actually, it's logical to them because actually they've, they've created more questions in their brain that, that gives them an answer to, to what their action's going to be. Do you see what I mean? It's, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. strange little thing. And then there's added to that, there's the loop effect, which we tried to get in a couple of times, is that when, um, if, you, if you have a, a mental illness... Um, you can be in in a crowd of people and 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 you can because of that way of thinking you can you can react awkwardly to a certain a stimulus like somebody asking you what the time is you can you can act in a strange way like saying oh I must get back to the shop or something or, or whatever you do because you've used that night's move your brain has used that night night's mm. move but then that what that does is the is the person that you're talking to thinks oh you're a bit strange. And and they react to you strangely because they're not, you know, they're, they're not 
um, expecting the reaction you give. So so that makes you react even more strangely because all of a sudden you think, why have they reacted strangely to me? And mm. it makes you paranoid. That's why, you know, they sometimes call it paranoid schizophrenia, because, you know, you get into that feeling that the people around you are acting against you rather than for you because you're not seeing it from the way they're seeing it. You're seeing it in your own way. So at every moment that Sheridan works, we try to work that out and you see it two or three times and you see it in our eyes slightly childlike at times yeah. because because she's lost the control of 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 an adult thought process and she's going purely on instinct mm. and it and, and and sometimes it's absolutely heart-wrenching in the film no without a doubt it's it is it's that it's that level of um um it's the extremes of sort of shouting being angry and seeming to be in control even though it sounds off kilter to the um to the absolute vulnerability of not really being aware where you are and what you're doing and in what context you're saying it and that's all happening simultaneously and it's uh it's a really interesting experience from an audience point of view seeing seeing that writ large uh, 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 the opposite end of that is is ellie hunt's character the daughter alice who yeah. in many senses um while while not having to um to delve into where the brain, where the how the, how the brain might function or misfunction with mental health, you still put that character through an enormous <laughs> gamut of emotions, don't you? In terms of what we you do, have. yes. I'm sorry, but uh, Ella Hunt is a fantastic actress, yeah. and uh, I think she's going to go really far. And and she was she did a lot of work um, working on her motivations and and all these other things before we started shooting, and it was a joy to work with her. And 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 she. Um, managed to uh, tap into things. I mean, she was only, I think, 18 when she was shooting this. Mm. So she didn't have, she doesn't have a huge amount of world experience, but um, we had to take her through very strong emotional curves so that you realize at the end that she's now grown up and understands uh, her role in in the what's world. Your, and, what's your conversation like then with with a young with a young actor then it's about that? Because obviously you're, you you come at this as an adult going well I can I can if I've not been through it directly I know people that have then yeah. obviously an eighteen year old hasn't so how how do you how do you bridge that? Because like you say I mean, we're not doing any spoilers there is a huge gamut of emotions as I say that you're you're having to take her through. Yeah, it, it uh, it's funny because actually I. Uh, we we said earlier before that we started the interview. You you wind the wind the actors up and let them go, and the and the thing is, with Ella, I mean, my direction, I would I would guide her as an adult to an adult. So mm. you, you know, never talk even with the young Alice. You know, you talk as an adult to an adult so that they they understand the sort of seriousness of what they're doing to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do take it serious and they do think about it and then as it goes through then you soften it and uh, this is my personal way of, of course of yeah. this as you get closer and closer you soften it and soften it so that they relax about it because i mean there's nothing worse than an uptight um actor because you you'll get an uptight performance that doesn't seem to be right um so um soften it and soften it and then actually on the time uh, there's one scene which you, I, I can't mention, but um, which I'm sure you're alluding to, um, which is a one-take wonder. B- 
because of the fact that we had talked about it we had you know we had discussed it and we had we had thought about it and and by the time we came to do it um uh ella was really in the in the zone Mm. and she just did it and um and uh, you know i started crying and she started crying and everyone hugged and it was all lovey 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 for Mm. a few minutes until she said she said um you don't have to cry so much (laughs) but it's 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 that uh, it's i just take everybody with respect i mean everybody on set has 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 to have respect Mm. because they're you know you've cast these people to do their job and at the start of it you have to allow them to do the job i mean Mm. obviously if there is if there's going to be some problems then you have to guide them rather than rather than um order them to change Mm. and that means that you you build a relationship of of friendship of relaxation on the set uh because everything else is really really tough i mean the time is tough you know, a light's gone down, it's raining outside, uh, a guinea pig has run off or whatever it is. Um, so, so as long as you, there's a, the storm is around these people and not across these people, um, they'll give you the best they possibly can because they want to. I mean, that's, that's what their job is and what, that's what they love. I always, I must admit, in fact, it's, it's a fascinating aspect of, of, of producing film where, where obviously tapping into real emotion and mm-hmm. obviously real sadness and real happiness and obviously sadness the sadness is kind of what what, what, would, what would have motivated you to cry in the in, in what i think we're talking about um and it, in in a sense it's 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 the fact that in that moment it's real even though ultimately it's pretend which is a kind of i mean that's a stretch for me as someone who doesn't act <laughs> mm. but it, it is real and it's mm. a weird thing because you do i mean i was an actor well i was at the national youth theater for a couple of years until mm. when i was really young and uh, and you know i started off wanting to make films got my first uh, film camera when i was eight and made little short films and things like that mm. and then you know obviously it's all part of drama so i went to national youth theater found out i was a terrible actor um <laughs> and then and then decided no it's got to be directing and and so i've been going along that path all the way th- through my life but um it, it's really weird because what happens is you as an actor the ones i think the, the the actors that really are worth their salt are able to tap into the emotions that they've stored away in parts of their brain um uh through their own experiences no matter you know even young actors you know that there's there's certain emotional parts of their brain that they've stored how they would feel mm. in this situation they've imagined that situation they've been through certain breakups heartbreaks and and things like that and 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 you you pull it out and i know watching ella i was the reason i started crying when we were watching ella because i imagined my daughter in exactly the same place mm. uh who was you know a few years younger than ella and 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 it felt real and i'm sure it felt real to her at the same point because you're you you it, it, you'd lose yourself in a reality it's a uh, it's, in a strange way it's a, it's a mental health issue itself because you're you're losing yourself and discovering mm. a different reality where you're in i mean but i know uh, you know i'm not stanislavski or whatever so no no but but it is it's that I mean, it, it does it does sort of point to the truth that you've got to trust everyone if you're going to go there as an actor or or else you yeah. can't do it can you if you don't trust everyone around you then yeah well that's where this eye of the storm thing happens i mean no matter what happens i i truly believe that 
any actor on the set needs to be feel that although there's a whirlwind going around and although you know there's somebody dying of hypothermia holding a light up you know that that it's quiet in that in that place and and the worst thing in the world is when that's interrupted by people that that can break the concentration of that place well i mean and and i think it's a good segue there because literally the storm that comes in is the cameo of uh of Sheila Hancock. Um, <laughs> um, I, I mean, I recently interviewed Simon Hunter, who cast Sheila in the lead for uh, Edie. Uh, oh, yes, yes, I haven't seen that yet. And, yeah. and I've, weirdly, and I've also just watched um, the Sky Arts show, um, Urban Myths, where Sheila yeah. plays uh, the muse to David Suchet's Salvador Dali. And, right. and, and, and if you just think there of those three roles, <laughs> and, and including the role in your film, it's sort of... I felt, I felt like I've, I've just witnessed like a little renaissance of uh, of Sheila Hancock, really. She's, yeah, she's, she's fantastic. Isn't I mean, she yeah. is. She is it. I mean, it's the opposite end of someone who's who's who's, who's um, draws on lots of experience, and so she just is the mother, isn't she? There's just this she amazing is. moment yeah. when she arrives on she, screen. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to tell you a bit of history now. I'm, I've always wanted to work with Sheila. Yeah, because she's the only famous person I knew that. Um, uh, was born in Black Gang on the Isle of Wight, which is where I grew up. Right. And uh, and and so from that day onwards, I said, if ever I'm a director, I'd like to do something with Sheila Hancock, and uh, followed her, you know, career from when I was a youngster, and thought, you know, wow, she's fantastic in everything. So when uh, uh, Nan, the role of Nan came up, I said, can we try Sheila Hancock? And mm. she fantastically said yes. And um, and the cast reading, she just floored everybody at the cast reading immediately. Mm. Um, and and the thing with Sheila is that she's got so much experience, and so and she's such a force of nature in all sorts of ways that um, you 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 really have to be careful about um, how can I say. Um, uh, misfooting her uh, it's not like you know she she she, she has a, a thing in her a brain mm-hmm. that says i'm going down this street i'm living this person yeah and if you I, there was a couple of scenes that i wrongly and this is my my uh lack of experience as a director in certain ways i wrongly suggested slightly sort of different things and she immediately said well no it's because of this 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 and this and then you say Oh yeah, you actually you're right and I'm wrong. Sorry, as you were, you know. Let's let's do it. And and um, again, uh, we shot more scenes with Sheila, but in the editing process, you know, you cut it down to the, to the story to get the story right. And uh, I wish we had a little bit more of her in there, but the bit that we have is is absolutely fantastic and, no she and, she is the eye of the storm i think in, she in, is in the yeah. In the film. yeah and then you've got ricky ricky Gervais, yeah. uh, ricky tomlin can i say that now yeah and then you've got ricky tomlinson later on who um who basically um uh, is another little storm that happens um unexpectedly at, at, at a moment and you can really understand the two characters together just through that tiny little bit of uh of Ricky and a little bit of Sheila, um, you can understand where this whole because um, they play the parents, obviously, mm. of Sheridan's character. Um, you can understand the whole misunderstanding of of why they have a child who is so wayward, 
because they can't deal with their own lives, really. They're quite wayward in themselves. And uh, maybe they've got a bit of mental health problems themselves. We, do, you know, we don't really go into that. But but, but I think but, but I think uh, watching the film, if you look at like Mark Addy's character um, and 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 the two the two parents of Gina, um, it sort of points to, I guess, what what maybe real love is. You know, as opposed yeah. to this Mills and Boone notion, as we're all just walking through flowery meadows and our yeah. eyes just glint in the sun, which is obviously. Everyone look may or may not have those moments, but that isn't what love is over 25, 40 years. Well, there's a, I think it, um, Joe wrote a fantastic um, sort of soliloquy for, for Ricky. Mm, no, it's um, an amazing moment. Which sums up the anger of being, uh, you know, of, of love, how strong love can be. Mm. Because you, you know he loves um, Sheila's character. But there's an anger there that that in in some way that that I mean I can't, I can't say much more without giving things away. Mm. But the, it, a love is a strong thing. It's a it's a real passion and it takes you over. And and when you when you lose it, you can do two things: you can be angry at it and be frustrated at it, or you can be guilty about it. And that's where Mark's character comes from. Mm. I mean, it's all of his character is all about guilt. He fell in love with the Sher- with Sheridan's uh, character when when she they were young and they were they were uh, upbeat and positive and and you know and then her mental health state deteriorated so much and and obviously they got Alice and these other things that he stayed stays with her a lot of the time because of guilt hmm. and and he's constantly um, in that position of uh, you know. Uh, should I be staying there, or should, it, it's not explicit in the in in the film, but you, but that's where his decision making is coming from. Oh no, you can see. I mean, it's in every. It's, it, it occupies every scene, no matter what he's doing. You kind of know everything he's deciding, whether it's to have beans on toast. It's also layered with, do I yeah. stay in this relationship or not? <laughs> yeah, and obviously the yeah. daughter, the daughter becomes his anchor. Although he's the anchor to the whole family, his daughter yeah. becomes his his reason to be. I guess happy yeah. or optimistic for a future, even if it means a sacrifice to himself. And obviously, there's yeah. other elements, side stories that come into this that that helps you see the other side of him as well. Uh, that yeah. maybe he maybe he has a, 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 a selfish side would be wrong to say it like that, but more of a kind of he does th- he does think for himself sometimes as well. And and they're, they're yeah. really well. Yeah, and I think he does. But I think that's more to do with the fact that. Um, if you didn't, you'd make you go in sh- insane, absolutely insane yourself. I mean, you know, because of the fact that you're I mean, that's why we shot in such a small house, which mm. is a tiny little uh, location. So not, none of that location was none of the stuff was shot in studio at all. That was all. On no, no, none of it. No, oh, wow. we 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 found um, uh, and this is a joyous story. We found a house with uh, where a lady was living and she was, you know, about mid late 60s. And um, she was living in one room of that house um, with a kitchen that hadn't been decorated since the 80s. You know, we hardly decorated any of that house. And um, and she didn't know what to do with her life because she she had been a farmer all her life. And mm. and the farm, her, her husband had died. And um, and by us coming in there and creating this film 
she she found a new lease of life and then decided at the end and recently i found out she she sold it and moved to america oh, and really? she but uh, so actually it you know working in that house it did something really positive for her um she had her own um what she called her lumbago out the back of the which was her winnebago that she she slept in whatever and she with her cats and everything while we while we shot in there and and uh, we did very very little to the house it's it i was going to say a, it is a period film so it's set set in like what 83 and 86 i suppose is the majority of the film yeah um, yeah yeah what, what what was your conversations like with um i guess i guess stuart hudson production designer would be you kind of met, yeah. was that your main port of call as it were in terms of the look and feel of, of what we see it was yeah i mean stuart i was very very lucky in getting stuart because uh, i worked with him on on tv commercials which is what i do most of the time mm. um and um and he was the biggest um uh smith's fan that, that you can ever meet Get out comes from Manchester. <laughs> and um he actually was something to do with the with with the fan club at one stage um wow. earlier on and so he was really clued into everything much more than i was but but we didn't you know you have to realize this is a very low budget film and mm. and and so in the end you don't have a great deal of money to be able to decorate it in exactly the way you want to do it so it's better to find the places that that still exist uh, you know uh, like the hospital like the school like the you know the house and whatever and 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 allow them to to infuse the the film with with their own sort of personality mm. and that's how um we created the 80s really so he found lots of small little bits found tvs that actually worked because i hate um seeing post-production tvs in film you know i much prefer to see we have the technology to make them work so um you know why not have them for real on film so so we though all you know all of these little weird little director things that you get uh, hooked up on, he managed to do uh, and achieve, which was fantastic. Yeah, there's a, lo there a lovely little sort of sequence where I, I, I kind of I kind of enjoyed the the, the, the submersion in, in the um, in the period, and obviously it would be it would be a design bit, which is when um, when Gina goes on a mission to meet the weather reporter. Yeah. And, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's only really details. It's not so much like massive drama stuff, but it, but I really appreciated it. It was like, there was the bit where as she crosses the road, a vintage car comes by, a, yeah. going across to a, like a classic 80s design house, where, or maybe late 70s, with a classic car, with a car that would be considered classic now, but obviously contemporary. I used to have, we used to have one of those rollers at, <laughs> as, growing up as a kid. And, yeah. uh, and then when the camera pans around to the daughter, Alice as a young girl, there's a parked car behind her as well. In that little moment, we're submerged in 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 that period, aren't we? We yeah yeah no I loved it. I loved that part of it as well because the thing is, until you get those little uh, well you know the, the little tiny things that you know because you know I, I was uh, the 80s were my era really hmm. um, uh, until you see those things uh for real in the right place the way they should be you don't actually believe anything and um and that particular house was was you know we wanted to show that the weatherman at that time had enough money to be able to you know afford this quite gauche mm. um house wonderfully designed but you know sort of of the of the of the time if you know what i mean of course yeah um whereas you know where they're living is a sort of uh, just a run down thing they keep just um uh sort of boarding up and and the cars we we had very few 
um, you know, we had uh, only a small amount of money to be able to, to, you know, have vehicles, you know, so we had to pick everyone really carefully mm. and, um, and make sure that they're, they're, you know, sort of, um, of the time. And, and luckily we had a good, um, a good art department that would, would make sure that they're, they're not too late a model, not too early a model. Mm. And everything. Uh, one last question then. Um, you, you're, uh, in terms of the DLP, you, you, you work with Joseph um, and Civit on, on this yeah. film. What was your conversations there? Because now I know you, you shot like on location, the studio. And the reason I was kind of wasn't too sure was there was one particular shot in, I think it's the kitchen, um, and it's beautifully, it's, there's beautiful symmetry. And I think you're, you're focusing on Mark Addy. And I just thought, I said to my wife, I was like, I'm not sure if it was, it wasn't shot on location. It, it felt like such a perfectly constructed shot that I thought maybe they, they must have had enough room. So given it was a, a real house, what was your conversations like with Joseph about the sort of practicalities and, and obviously keeping it interesting? Well, um, Joseph is an incredibly well-known um, mm. DOP in Spain. I've worked with him on commercials before. And, um, and we... Uh, we looked at each house and because uh, we saw quite a few and then mm -hmm. when we came across this one um, and obviously when you're shooting so much in the house you have to be able to get um, the right sight lines you have to be able to allow the camera to be in places that excite the eye um, as much as the you know having the actors perform because after a while uh, the the blandness of a place can can just when you're in it so much can mm. just can just sort of um, destroy the audience in some way and um, and so I, I we were so lucky that the the way the the the, the house was was um, sort of set up mm -hmm. was that we had good um, what I call proscenium angles angles where you can see through things or round things or or or, or um, or you know create slightly false um sort of images i mean i i <clears throat> a lot of my influences are, are, are people like alexander payne and and uh, you know obviously mike lee but um one of the, my biggest influences is steven spielberg because he he was big when i when i first wanted to make films mm -hmm. and and his dops and and he they they try to make each shot interesting to see because i think if you're not making if you're not doing that um you're you're the, the film will be good if you get great performances and a great story but what it won't be is is cinematic and we wanted to make sure that the film was cinematic and and yourself i think did a fantastic job with very very limited um sort of uh lighting and 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 uh and stuff like that to to really get a feeling for a film set in the middle of nowhere in a tiny place, um, but still um, quite gorgeous to look at. Mm. And, um, and wow, he, he was brilliant. No, no, it certainly felt cinematic to me, that's for sure. <coughs> so congratulations, congratulations on the film. Uh, and Great, I guess we should, well, finally, one thing we should say is it's released on the 6th of July and that's going to be, I guess in, it's going to get run in the cinemas first, is it? Yeah, yeah it, it will do. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want to say one more thing that okay. I, haven't, I haven't mentioned, which was, is the music, um, okay. who was, who, the music's by, um, Pete Jobson, 
um, from I Am Clute and Guy Garvey from Elbow, um, along with Paul Saunderson. And um, the thing I really think is a, 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 they've done a fantastic job because we wanted to make a soundtrack which um, sort of followed the 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 s strange um, outer worldliness of of um, Gina's um, mental health. But um, and 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 reflect the 80s as well at the same point. And there's there's obviously um, tracks from the Smiths and Slade mm. and whatever in there. But but um, we really worked hard on this. And I think uh, what people uh, don't understand is how much the music and the sound design can change the the way you see the pictures. I'm going to cough. Hold on. <coughs> Um, and in this say, in this case, it was a way of of flowing us through quite a load of random or, or s seemingly random events to but create a pathway through those so that when we get to the the relationships, you understand the relationships at the end. So I just wanted to head that up. No, no, no. Let's 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 finish that off because I mean I I I made a note of that and I forgot to ask you about it. I know I've known Guy Garvey since eighteen. Um, oh really? Yeah, yeah. We used to drink it. We used to drink at the same pub in Presswich. Oh, uh, excellent! I was, I was, I can, I can honestly say I was the first person to interview Elbow because they'd, oh. they'd never played a gig when I interviewed them. Um, oh, wonderful! So, well, uh, they did, they did a great job, and they're going to the the, the City's End, which is a, the uh, the track at the end of the film. We're hoping to release if we can. I was going to say, uh, but, but but just given what you just said, you described the purpose of the music and what it does for the film. How does that start as a conversation? with the musician from does it come from you or does it come from the producers or or well it comes it, it does come from me and, okay. and because uh, well in this sense i don't i'm not saying this is you know where it always comes from mm. but in in this sense it came from me because i i know the 80s intimately in that yeah. respect but it's not the same as the the popular music of the time because I never really was into popular music. I, I, I listened to soundtracks, you know, most of my life. Right. And, um, and so our discussions were, you know, things like, um, you know, I, I gave them a whole, uh, tape of different things to listen to and sort of infuse themselves with. Um, and it was usually a mixture of synthesizer music, um, and, real instruments because that's where i thought we should be going mm. um and you know tracks like big you know soundtracks of big blue there's some peter gabriel in there and american composers a bit like um jack nietzsche who did one flew over the cuckoo's nest which was one of the influences for the film you know um just so that it, it because uh, i wanted it to be slightly f f um free-flowing but obviously um uh, sort of develop uh, the drama in its in, 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 as it unfolds, um, and I think they did a fantastic job. I think there's some really good stuff. Uh, no, no, it was heartening to see his name actually on on the thing. And obviously, he's, doesn't need he's, he's famous enough as it is now. But uh, no, it's nice to see his uh, branching out into music, into film music. Yeah, yeah, I know they they they. I mean, I I think Elbow quite cinematic anyway as a mm, band. Yeah, I think in this respect they. It was a natural step, and uh, but um, Pete Jobson uh, was really sort of guy was there, but Pete really led it because Guy had you know commitments with 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 um, with at the time with with a tour that they were doing of festivals mm. and things like that. So, no, I mean, I'm clear. Funny enough, is is quite it has, has a 
has has a lot of lovely resonance in their music, which you can, you yeah. can easily easily adapt to film. I think. Yeah, yeah, but no, they did a fantastic job. But back coming back to what you were saying before, I mean, um, yes, out on the sixth of July. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure how many screens yet, but um, uh, basically cities, I suppose, um, across UK and and I'll, I'll put a web link in the show notes. Uh, yeah, for people to be able to we check we should know. I think in the next couple of days exactly where and when, because mm. you know you know these things. They, you don't know exactly until about. A week or and a half beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and well, hopefully, look, sorry. I was going to say, look, it just is me to say that. Thank you very much for your time coming on the podcast. Well, thank you. It was it was a pleasure, and um, anything I can do to get bums on seats seats will be brilliant because I think people should see it in the cinema. The Britflix podcast is provided absolutely free. If you want to help me get the podcast out to more people, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. Or if you want to help me out directly, there's a link in the show notes to my Patreon page. All contributions are welcome. And the music is by Chris Reed of thecomposers.tv. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com.